You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne Recur, your host, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's one of the members of the adult team. So, Mike, thank you for being with us today. Sure. sure. Uh, we're looking at session one. This is our first session in our study. Uh, for this summer of, of 2022, we're going to be looking at First and Second Kings during this summer. And so this is our first session. We're going to look at chapter 3, verses 4 through 15. David has passed away. David's died. And Solomon has, been, has become king. And then in chapter 3, we find this conversation, this opportunity for him. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, but in verses 4 through 5, we see this offer from God. In these verses, after Solomon's rule has been consolidated, Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings at Gibeon. God appeared to Solomon there in a dream and invited him to make a request of God. The point for us here is that worship is a first step toward God and his blessings. The second section that we're looking at in verse, is verses six through nine. We've entitled this Solomon Answers. Solomon replied, by noting the love that God had shown to David, which was Solomon's father, and the faithfulness of David to God. Solomon also expressed God's love for David being expressed to Solomon by him now sitting on the throne. He also recognized his lack of experience, the size of the job ahead, and his need to rightly discern. Solomon asked for a receptive heart to judge the people of God. For us today, we should understand that life's challenges point to our need for God's wisdom. The third point, verses 10 through 15, we've entitled God Provides. In these verses, God was pleased with Solomon's request and granted him a wise and understanding heart and that Solomon's wisdom would be rivaled by no one else. God also promised to give Solomon riches and honor, both of which he did not ask for. God also gave a condition for living a long life, and that condition was that Solomon walked in God's ways, just as David had done. Solomon awoke from the dream and led others to worship God. The key takeaway for us is that God answers prayers in ways that align with his purposes and heart. So we've started off this study. We're jumping right in here with Solomon's request, his prayer, uh, or it really is God approaching him first and then his response. And he's, this takes place in Gibeon. Mike, help us understand the significance of Gibeon here. Well, first of all, Gibeon is significant to us because this is where the Lord appeared to Solomon and asked him, what should I give you? So, so first and foremost, that's, that's why it's significant in this account, is because this is where the Lord appeared to him. But the, the, other, the other side of that, the other part of this, is um, it's, it says in, in our passage that it was the location of the most famous high place, um, verse 4 of 1 Kings 3. So you got two things there to, that we can talk about. One is, what, are, what, what is a high place? You know, what is a high place in general? And then secondly, Gibeon being specifically mentioned as the most famous of those high places. So high, a high place 
was a place of worship, often on a hill or a human-made mound where a shrine was built and offerings were made. High places were most most often associated with pagan worship. You know, when when God was preparing the Israelites to go into Canaan, He gave them the commandment to destroy all the high places. Uh, in Deuteronomy 12, the first few verses of Deuteronomy chapter 12, destroy them completely. Don't worship God in that way. Instead, you, you, you worship in the place where God chooses. A central location is where God wanted his people to worship because he wasn't a localized God like the, those Canaanite deities that were worshiped at these many high places, but he was the one true God, and they were to worship him at one centralized location. But the puzzling thing in, in this account is what are we to make of Solomon worshiping at a high place? This is a concern. The high places are a really a concern for the writer of First and Second Kings. He mentions it so so much. He mentions high places. I counted over thirty instances of of the term high place in the in the CSB. And so uh, it's a real concern that you find throughout First and Second Kings. And um, these become the problem places for it is in fact. In chapter 13 of First Kings, it says that Jeroboam, when Jeroboam was king, he, he, he in fact, he encouraged, enabled, uh, set up the high places. Uh, he um, appointed priests for to serve in these high places. And it, and it says this was the sin that caused the house of Jeroboam to be cut off. Um, then you've got among the kings who are who remembered in a more favorable light, like Josiah, uh, it says of him that he tore down the high places, or King Asa says he removed the pagan altars in the high places. So those kings who remembered in, who are remembered in more favorable light are those who tore tore down those high places. But um, that that was after Solomon. <clears throat> so here in this account, um, at the beginning of Solomon's reign, we read in chapter three that the people were sacrificing on the high places. But it adds in verse two because until that time, a temple for the Lord's name had not been built. So what we're reading here in this passage is, is happening before the temple, prior to the temple, and, and it was after the temple was built that, that the writer of Kings denounced worship at these, at these shrines, as did the later prophets as well, it denounced them as places of, of idolatry. Now, I mentioned that um, it says here that Gibeon was the most significant of these high places. Um, there's a parallel passage in 2 Chronicles, the first chapter, that um, says Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place in Gibeon because God's tent of meeting was there. And it says that, um, that David had brought the ark to Jerusalem, but he, he, the bronze altar was left at Gibeon. So it was there at Gibeon that Solomon went to worship and to offer sacrifices and to seek the Lord's guidance. And, and the Lord met him there at, at Gibeon. So for now, at least, at the beginning, beginning of Solomon's reign, worship at the high place in Gibeon was, was excusable or at best tolerated um, because it, it says there that the temple hadn't been built yet. Even though the writer of 1 Kings recognized the danger of it, even at this point, he recognized the danger in that. And he hinted at the danger. It was kind of like foreshadowing at that point. Yeah, he hints at the danger in, in 1 Kings 3.3. 3. He says, Solomon loved the Lord by walking in his stat the statutes of his father, David. But 
he also sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So that bud is kind of like a, a warning flag, you know, mm -hmm. like he recognized that this was this was tolerated before the temple was built, but he he sounds the warning that this is going to lead to some problems. There, the dig deeper feature in Quicksource talks about Gibeon and about the, 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 that idea or that concept that what you just mentioned that the, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was still in Gibeon, but the ark had been moved. So really had two worship sites, which didn't make, which didn't make sense. Right. You know, where was God's presence at that point? And so in this passage, Solomon, you see, I, he, you see him admitting he's not capable. He's got a challenge ahead of him. Uh, most of us think of Solomon as someone who is, um, I don't want to say prideful, but self-confident, not afraid to tackle the, a big thing, those kind of things. But yet we see in this section of, of scripture, Solomon expressing some sense of humility. Uh, is that a true assessment of what we see in this passage? I believe so. I, I, I think he's a bit of a puzzling character in a way. He's a, a wise man who began well, but did a lot of unwise things later in his life. Um, but there's no question in my mind that Solomon's prayer here was an expression of his, his humility. When you look at his prayer, um, his focus was, first of all, on God. How, how did he begin his prayer? With thanksgiving, with praise. In, in verses six and seven of chapter three, you know how he, he, he says, he starts with his, his prayer with you, Lord, you have shown love. Um, you, you have done this and, and you have made now made me king. And, and so his, his whole focus here is on what God had done. So he begins with with a focus on God and, and a praise and a thanksgiving to God. And then he moves from that to, to confession that he, he, he confessed his inadequacies. He knows he needs God's help. He said, I'm just a youth. I don't have any experience. I'm just a I think the King James says little child. And that's that's a figure of speech. And even though he was a young adult at this time, it, it was a it was a word that expressed humility. So he's expressing his humility in that and saying, I'm just a youth, I'm just a child. I have no experience in this. And so it was only it was only after the praise and the confession that he made this request, uh, as God invited him to, you know, make a request. So it was only after praise and confession. Uh, and, and, the, and the request he made of God was in line with God's purposes. His, his requests are a receptive heart to judge the people, that that, that was totally in line with God's, God's purposes and God's plan. And it says in verse 10 that his prayer pleased God, that, that, it, that it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. And the reason it pleased God is because his prayer aligned with God's purposes. And whenever our prayers align with God's purposes, God is pleased. You know, one of the most helpful things we can do to strengthen our prayers is, is to study the, the prayers recorded in Scripture. You know, look at the prayers of David. Look at the prayers of Paul. Um, you know, when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, you know, look at how Paul prayed for the churches, how he prayed for the Ephesians and the Colossians. And, and even though he's writing from prison, his prayer was not about circumstances. His prayer was more about spiritual priorities, you know, and, that, and that's not to say we shouldn't pray about physical circumstances or like health or finances or families but but you know the, the prayers of the bible teach us to to put a focus on spiritual priorities i know hb hb uh, charles said once that god is always more concerned about what's happening in you than what's happening to you and um, he's pleased when our prayers align with his 
with his kingdom purposes. And so that's what I see in Solomon's prayer here that, that tells me at this point, he is a very humble man and, and his prayers did align with God's purposes for, for, his, for his kingdom. One activity that's in our, it's suggested in the leader guide when looking at this prayer is to compare what's said in 1 Kings 3, 9 with what's uh, found in 2 Chronicles 1, 10. Uh, both first key, or the Kings and Chronicles, those are, they're telling the same story. Many times it's the same verses or same words used, but sometimes there's variances between the two. And one, one item that you, that you as the leaders may find helpful is pack item 12, where it lists uh, passages in Kings and passages in Chronicles and how they match up. So that way you'll understand the parallel passages between Kings and Chronicles. But the idea that's presented to us is for us to compare what we find in, in, first, in chapter 3, verse 9 of 1 Kings, which says, a receptive heart to judge your people and discern between good and evil. And then in 2 Chronicles, what it says is, now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people. It's a little bit different. Uh, and so we're encouraged to take a Bible dictionary, look at those words, wisdom, knowledge, heart, uh, discernment. And what we're going to discover in that process is we'll realize that, that, that those things are the same things. They're just worded in a different way. And that will give us some deeper insight, I think, in how we understand, give me a receptive heart to judge your people and discern between good and evil and how that connects to wisdom and knowledge so that Solomon can lead these people well. I, I think that's a great activity to help us think through this prayer here. Yeah, yeah. So God comes to Solomon in a dream. Uh, does that still happen today? And if so, how do we know it's God giving us a dream? God communicated through dreams with quite a number of people in, in scripture, didn't he? There's, you know, the Joseph of the Old Testament, the Joseph of the New Testament. There's Peter. Um, of course, the book of Daniel, dreams were prominent. I, I believe that what God did then, he can do now. And, and God can speak through dreams if he choose, chooses to do that. And, um, you know, for, for some time now, it's for, for decades, I think, uh, it's, it's been well documented that this, you know, this is happening in parts of the world where it's taking place in, in um, closed countries where there's no preaching of the gospel, where there's no church, you know, in communities and people have no access to the gospel. We, we have a lot of documented accounts of, of of um, people having dreams and visions of, of Jesus. And I, and I believe those are real. I believe that's true. And I believe God can and does in some situations um, reveal himself through, through dreams. I believe that, but I believe even more in the authority of scripture and that if God does reveal himself uh, in a dream, um, it will agree with what he has revealed already in the scripture. Um, so, so the person who has a dream and wonders, what did, you know, is this, is this a God given dream? Did God give this to me? You know, you've got to look at the word of God and see, you know, is that dream in agreement with scripture? And if it is, then consider, you know, what does God want you to do in response to that dream? And if it's not in agreement with scripture, it's, it's not from God. Should we hold to the idea, idea too, that, uh, number one test is it is it agrees with scripture, but number two, God's probably going to tell some other people that same thing as well, not just us. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. And 
And I also, you know, I think that when, if God chooses to communicate through a dream that he's going to make it clear what that means, you know, that God's not in the business of leaving us in a state of confusion. Um, that if he communicates something in a dream that he's going to, he's going to reveal. And often you're right. It is through other people um, and, and through scripture of the meaning of that dream. Yeah. It offers clarity, not confusion at that point. I, yeah. Here he is. Solomon's made this request and God answers him. Can we as believers today uh, expect the same kind of response from God? My short answer is yes. Can expect God to hear us, to help us when we ask for help, and, but to help us uh, in a way that aligns with his purposes, knowing that God's purposes don't always coincide with our wishes and our wants. Uh, but yes, we can expect, uh, fully expect when we call out to him for help that he does hear and he does respond. Are there any other key thoughts or key ideas that you would share from this particular passage? You know, I was looking at the Bible school for this session um, to read, reflect on and react, react to um, First Kings 3, 5, which is God's invitation to Solomon. You know, when God said, what, what should I give you? And, and just it tells us, ask us to, you know, suppose God appeared to you and, and made that offer to you. Um, you know, a lot of things we could ask for, you know, we could ask God for a lot of different things, but the question that it poses for us, and this could be one that we could do in class, you know, is how would your life be different if it were fully aligned with God's purposes? If, if, if the desires of your heart fully aligned with God's purpose for, for you, how would your life be different? That's in the Bible skill, right? Bible skill, yes. That's good. That's important. Mike, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for that uh, reminder, that call out for the Bible skill. From time to time in this podcast, we mention different resources in the Explore the Bible family. Like today, we mentioned QuickSource. Sometimes we, and we mentioned the PAC as well. Sometimes we talk about the commentary, personal study guide, daily discipleship guide, just to name a few. You can find out more about the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week. We'll be looking at session two. Bill Craig will be joining me. We'll be looking at 1 Kings 8, verses 46 through 60. The main point of those passages is that forgiveness awaits all who turn to God in repentance. And what we'll be looking at is the dedication of the temple. Mm -hmm.